Welcome back to another episode of the DVO Show. I am your host, DVO, Derek Van Otten. Thanks so much for listening or watching this new episode. So I want to talk to you guys about an interesting coaching session I had uh, recently. I actually was coaching uh, just, you know, somebody that I, uh, reaches out for me for, for coaching help uh, in his business. And we were just kind of talking a little bit, just kind of asking questions why he's getting involved in this business, why uh, the business that he was starting, just asking him some personal questions. And I live in Utah and, you know, he actually has just moved here a few years ago. He actually was born and raised in Texas. And so I just was asking him questions like, why did you, would you come here? So I don't want to go into too many details because I, um, you know, I don't want to share this person's information if he doesn't want, if he's, doesn't want me to share this. So I'm just going to keep this as vague as possible about this individual, but I want to share his story. I thought it was very fascinating. So we met, we met somewhere and I was just kind of uh, having a meal and, and we were just kind of talking. And so while I was just finishing up my meal, I just kind of asked him some personal questions real quick before we got into the coaching session. And, you know, listening to his story, I found it very fascinating. So I asked him, you know, how long has he been in Utah? And he told me just a few years and I asked, well, why did you come to Utah? His answer was purely, I Googled some places that sounded nice, put them in a hat, drew one of the names out, and it said Utah. So I jumped in my car and drove drove to Utah with nothing in my pocket, with nowhere to stay. And he told me that he, for the first couple nights, slept on the streets. He And I just was asking, why? What, what was going on? So he told me that... Growing up, uh, his he never really knew his father. And his mother remarried and they had kids. And he just kind of felt outcasted. Um, for example, you know, he kind of took care of his siblings a lot. And anything wrong would be kind of blamed on him. And he, and he told me that, for example, during Christmas time in the Christmas photos, he would be the one taking pictures because they didn't really want him in the photos. And, uh, you know, that kind of bothered me, uh, especially if you don't know my, my oldest is actually not my biological daughter. She's 18 and she's my, she's technically my stepdaughter and our youngest, the two year old is my biological baby. And, you know, I, I got into, uh, our oldest, our oldest daughter's life when she was about maybe five or six years old. And I always looked at her as my own child you know uh her um her biological father just wasn't in the picture as much he, he moved out of state and just wasn't in the picture very much so so you know hearing this gentleman talk to me and tell me his story you know like it really triggered things for me as someone um i, I don't i don't i don't even know how to explain it you know it's just I don't know how you can not be that involved or not think of your kids, you know, like that they're important, like they're a huge part of your life. And and so anyway, that just kind of struck me as, as we were talking and, you know, I just was like just asking him more questions, you know, just to hear his story before we went into our coaching session. And, you know, he told me this is how we, you know, this is what, how he grew up. And he just, he just felt it was toxic. If he wanted to try something, you know, he just didn't feel like he was supported. And, you know, I just felt, you know, I thought that was terrible. So anyway, he just wanted to get out of that. And he picked Utah and just drove here and slept on the streets a couple of nights. And he just knew he couldn't keep doing that. 
I actually I should have asked him what month he came in because in Utah, if you guys don't know, in Utah, this is a uh, well, we're a desert state, and uh, we live in Salt Lake Valley. We're a valley surrounded by by mountains, and so in the summertime, it can get to triple digits here, easily into you know over a hundred degrees, and in the winter, it can easily get to below freezing, like eighteen degrees. We just had last week here, so. I didn't know what month he moved here, but he knew he just couldn't keep staying on the streets. So what he did was was very uh, innovative. He actually looked up Airbnb in the area, and he just was going around to, to some of the Airbnb. Just I don't remember what his pitch was, but it was almost like he was doing a sales pitch. Like, uh, hey, is this, is this your home? Is this your Airbnb? And he, he was basically just trying to say, hey... I just moved here. I have nowhere to stay. I'm trying to get off the streets. Do you have a place for that I can stay for a little bit? And obviously, most places said no. Yeah, he wasn't mad at that, and I and I applaud him for that because you know they're trying to run a business. Uh, but he did run across somebody that that allowed him to stay there. They actually were were renting out two bedrooms, so they had one person always kind of renting out one of the bedrooms. And the the gentleman, he said his name was Mario. He let him stay in the second bedroom for free for a month for a month this gentleman was not receiving any type of revenue for his airbnb business he let this gentleman that i was coaching stay there for a month for free so he can get on his feet and this gentleman that i was coaching did not waste that okay he was opportunistic and he took advantage of that and I don't mean he took advantage of Mario, the person that owned the Airbnb. He took advantage of his situation. He took advantage of he had the Airbnb app on his phone. You know, he was opportunistic. And I applaud that. So what did he do? He worked his ass off. He found a job. And he worked his ass off at this job. He told me that he set a record in this, I believe it was a warehouse job. He set a record for the most consecutive days worked without a day off. And I don't remember what he said, but it was 60 or 70 days straight with no days off. Can you imagine that? Imagine, and I don't know how many hours he was working a day. 8 to 12, I'm, I'm guessing. But can you imagine taking 60 to 70 days straight without a day off? I mean, a lot of people get burned out, right? But no, not this gentleman. He wanted to show that he could do it. He wasn't going to take advantage of the gentleman renting the room out. He was taking advantage of the opportunity he was given. So he worked his ass off and just started making money so he could, you know, he could get a place of his own to get a to get a, a an apartment or whatever, whatever he needed to do. And, you know, and I asked him, where's where's Mario now? And he said, I don't know. We lost contact. But. But for him to say we lost contact told me also about him that he actually was staying stayed in contact with this with Mario that was helping him out uh, for as long as he could. And they lost they lost contact. The, the, uh, apparently Mario moved and didn't live there anymore uh, at the house that he was uh, letting him stay at. So uh, anyway, you know, kudos to to Mario for just being someone with a heart that said, hey, you know, someone needs help, and you know, I'll help him out. I'll I'll give him a break. I'll cut him. Cut him some slack here. And the gentleman I was coaching took advantage of that and said, yeah, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm not, you know, I appreciate everything you're doing and I'm not going to squander it. I'm not going to waste it. 
I'm going to I'm going to take the most advantage I can out of this and just worked his ass off and saved his money so he can get his own apartment. And I just thought the you know the tenacity that this gentleman has to to get up and pack and leave and move somewhere you know nothing about. You he's never stepped foot in Utah until he showed up and just slept on the streets. You know what? I don't even know if he drove here. I, actually, I don't know if he took a bus or a train or a plane. I, I actually don't even remember. I do not believe he had a car now that I think about it because I was thinking he would have stayed. He would have slept in the back of his car. But no, he slept on the street. So he did not drive here. He, you know, he squandered up whatever money he had and got here and just said, now I got to figure this out. I mean, the the cojones on this guy, you know, and, you know, but, but it, it was out of. You know what he what he what he had to deal with at home. He had to get out of that. And he just was like, "This is this is not working out for me." And so now now he's working, you know, full time job. I think he works, you know, twelve hour shifts in a warehouse right now is what he's doing, and he's trying to get um, a new business that he's trying to get started off the ground. And you know, he came to me for for some coaching advice on 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 how to do that. And anyway, I just want to share his story that it's important to be opportunistic. You know, you everyone thinks of the whole glass that half you know half full or half empty of of water and if you're pessimistic you look at that glass and say oh it's half empty um and if you're uh did i say that right so if you're pessimistic you think of it as half empty all right um but i i was there was an analogy i heard that if but if you're opportunistic you just drink the damn water and not worry about if it's half empty or half full. And uh, I always like that kind of analogy. And I, and I think of this gentleman as that, you know, he was opportunistic. He didn't think of, is that, is the water half full or is it half empty? He just said, Hey, there's a glass of water. I'm thirsty. I need this water to survive. I'm drinking it. And that's how he was. You know, you have to be opportunistic when things come your way. I think a lot about luck when it comes to business. Were, were, were many people who are wealthy or have successful businesses, were they lucky? Another great comment I heard one time from, from somebody that was that's very successful said, it's funny, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And so I'm kind of conflicted. You know, I do believe that there's some luck to, to business. There's some luck to success. But I also think it's because you put yourself there. So if you are in that position where you're wealthy or successful or you're on your way there, it's because it was all on your back. You know, you created that. It was your hard work. It was your ethic. It was your creation. It was whatever. You created that. But maybe there's some there's some things along the way. Maybe you were introduced to the right people. You came around the right circles. You, whatever. I think, there, you know, there, there's a little bit of luck involved but but the most important thing is to be opportunistic and take advantage of opportunities when they come your way when someone offers you i don't know maybe they, they offer you help they offer you opportunities uh for, for whatever reason take advantage of those opportunities become someone who's opportunistic where you take advantage of opportunities now again when i'm saying take advantage i'm not saying I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm saying it in a very positive way. I'm not saying take advantage of people. I'm saying take advantage of things that come your way uh, because not everyone has opportunities that come their way. Take advantage of them. Give things a shot. Give things a try. I think it's very important to have an opportunistic mindset versus you know positive or negative. 
So anyway, just uh, a thought that came to mind and a story that I wanted to share with you guys. Now I want to talk about uh, the next entrepreneur highlight uh, for this week. And this gentleman is named Mike Schultz, and he is an Olympian. Again, we just kind of came out of the Olympics. So uh, Mike was born in August 1981 in Litchfield, Minnesota. He was also known as Monster Mike. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Uh, he was always an avid lover of the outdoors and action sports. He enjoyed a variety of sports and outdoor activities such as motocross, snowmobiling, mountain biking, horseback riding, and skiing. Well, in 2008, when he was competing in, in a, a professional snowcross race, he unfortunately drifted off course, which caused him to fall off his snowmobile. Um, he and the snowmobile landed on his leg, causing severe compound fracture in his knee. Oh my gosh, this this hurts kind of saying. I don't know about you guys, when I hear or see injuries, like it like it affects me. Like I've broken a few fingers in my hands. So when I hear of breaks and fractures, like I kind of start wincing and grimacing because I think of the pain, because I've been in that type of pain. And then my 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 like for right now, like right now talking and sharing the story, like my fingers feel weird. I don't know, it's weird. It's weird. I don't get it. Anyway. After multiple surgeries, he eventually had to get his leg amputated. Can you imagine? This guy is an avid outdoor enthusiast, and he just had his leg amputated. I can't even believe that. Um, after the amputation, he started snowboarding in 2010. He engineered his own prosthetic knee, which utilizes a, a, a patented linkage system and some type of mountain bike shocks. I'm guessing like the shocks in mountain bike. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Uh, initially, Mike began trying to learn how to snowboard to test his prosthetic knee, um, and um, it was then that Mike realized the need for advancements in high-impact sports prosthetics, which makes sense, right? Because so many athletes that are in the Paralympics or people that or that used to be into sports and then had something like like Mike happen where they they had to get their leg amputated they still have that need and desire to be in in these high impact sports. So in July 2010 he founded Biodapt Inc. This was a business for creating prosthetics. Uh his products included a Moto Knee which he himself uses and VersaFoot um which was named the top 10 Inventions of 2013 by Popular Science Magazine. Uh, currently, over 100 wounded soldiers and extreme athletes and amputees wanting to return to an active lifestyle are, an active lifestyle are using his prosthetics. I mean, that's very cool. So when Mike isn't training or competing or traveling the world, he's working on motivating um, his fans. So he's out there talking and speaking with them and... You know, he's a Paralympian, which is very cool. Um, he now lives in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, he also opens up his home to athletes uh, so they can try out his prosthetic equipment. Um, at his home, he also has people come in, ride his horses, puts them on dirt bikes. And he still rides mountain bikes. He's out doing trails with these people that come over and uh, hang out with them. And then they like to, uh, you know, he likes to give back and probably give, get, get feedback from people using this. So, um, 
Anyway, he became a two-time Paralympic medalist in the 2018 Winter Olympics. And I, gosh, I should have looked it up. I know the 2022 Paralympics just ended. I didn't even look up if he if he contributed or participated or not. But anyway, I just found his story very fascinating. That what he went through, what he endured, and he said, "I don't care. You know, sure, all right, take take my leg, but that's not going to stop me." It probably hindered him for a little bit, but didn't stop him. And so what did he do? He was opportunistic. He took an opportunity, like losing my leg, and saying, I am going to do something else with this. There's there's people out there who also are going through what I have went through, and they want to still compete, and I'm going to take this opportunity to create something for them. And now he's a, he has a, a successful business, and now he is in a, a Paralympian uh, medalist, champion, because he took advantage of opportunities that came his way. So a very cool, cool story, uh, Mike Schultz, and the gentleman that I had a coaching session with this week. Thank you guys again for listening and watching another episode of the DVO Show. I hope it brought great value to you and in your life, and you continue to do great things. Bye. Mm-hmm.